0: Let's thank the Lord for each other. You know, I got a message early this morning that my very old mother is having difficulty swallowing, so she really can't eat, She's hard, she can hardly even drink, and it's just a reminder to me, brothers and sisters, that in this world, everything moves and everything breaks. But Jesus. And that's why he tells us all do not secure yourself in anything in this world where everything moves and everything breaks. But put all your security in me, for I will never fail you, I will never forsake you, I'll never move, I'll never break. For where your security is, there your heart will be also. This morning we're going to be back in Matthew. This is the second Sunday since Easter. Christ is risen, he's risen indeed, that's a historical fact. The question is, has he risen in you? Has he risen in me? We discussed that Christianity is not about theologic, it's about the person of Christ and our response to him. Have we been keeping him waiting these first two weeks of the new Christian year? Is he waiting for us? What is he waiting for? He's waiting to live his life through us. That's what he's waiting for. This year, we're going to go through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 by the grace of God. We've already started in what's known as the Beatitudes. Last week, Rob Penner spoke to us about compassion. And he mentioned the fact that before we can experience compassion, we must first experience vulnerability vulnerability, and he says, you know, God puts us in a world where everything moves, everything breaks, he lets you get sick, he lets you lose your job, he lets you make a mistake, he lets you get caught in an elevator, he does things that make us vulnerable. Why? Because he knows that we have some bad habits of not depending upon him, and when we understand our vulnerability, we come to him. And that's the beginning of Matthew 5, 3. Blessed those who know they need me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All of us are poor, but it's the knowledge of our poverty that brings us to Jesus. Blessed, Jesus says, blessed are all those who understand how impoverished they are. It will lead them to me. And they will experience the kingdom of heaven, which is all that is good, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Mourn what? Mourn not abiding in him. And what happens when we don't abide in him? Our flesh manifests. And what does our flesh look like? Well, Paul says, in our flesh dwells no good thing. It's it's impatient. It's not loving. It's not kind. It's not gentle. It doesn't tell the truth. It envies, in it dwells no good thing. It also lessened, Does a lot of other things. Then he talks about blessed are the meek. And who are the meek? The meek are not the weak. Blessed are the meek, those who have submitted, who have relinquished their right to themselves. Blessed are the meek. For they shall be given the earth as an inheritance, not because they did anything or they did any work, but just because who they are, they get it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after all that is good. After righteousness. And Jesus is the righteous one. He is the bread of life. And as we hunger and thirst after him, we are filled with the only thing that will truly nourish us, any of us. If any man thirsts, let him come to him, him, me and drink, and out of him will flow rivers of liver, living water. Now today... We're going to talk about Matthew 5, 7. It's a wonderful text. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You know, the scripture says, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Well, you know, it's very interesting that we tend to want justice for others. And mercy for ourselves. Have you ever noticed that? We like to see other people brought to justice. But we always want mercy. But the scripture says. Give to others, do to others as you would have others do to you. And don't all of us want mercy? But mercy is right on the line there with compassion. We won't find ourselves merciful. Unless we understand our own vulnerability. We won't understand mercy. Mercy unless we truly have understood the gospel. We must truly understand that when we were without strength, when we hated God, when we had no appetite for him, Jesus died for us. And then sometime in our lifetime, he woke you or me up. He sent his Holy Spirit into our lives to give us a a real hunger for him, Then he downloaded into us the truth and made our mind understand it. And then he gave us faith to accept that which he made us understand. We actually had nothing to do with the process. It says, by grace, God empowering us, you are saved through faith. And that faith didn't even come from you. It was a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So, here we are, running to hell as fast as we can get there, and Father sticks his foot out and trips us. That's the only reason we're here today. It's not because we weren't bent on going to hell as fast as we could get there. It's just that we got tripped, and we got saved. Now, that is unbelievable. But the world is full of people who are running to hell, who have not yet been tripped, They need mercy, not us judging them. You know, you can go into the worst prison in this country or any country in the world, and you can go to the worst prisoner. And when you hear our, his story or her story, you and I can understand exactly why they're there. It doesn't excuse the act, but we can understand. Because basically, men are wired to do their best. As bad as that is, they're wired to do their best. But if they've been in a home where they were abandoned, where they had five fathers, where they were abused and beaten, there's some bad programming out there, brothers and sisters. Blessed are the merciful. When you and I see somebody acting out or not acting out, they need mercy. We need to pray for them. Now, what about believers? What about believers who just don't seem to get it together? Have you ever met one of those? Well, you know what Paul says to every man, there's been given a measure of grace according to the gift of Christ. Every man is given a measure of grace according to the gift of Christ. Now, you know, maybe some of us have been given a whole bathtub full of grace. And there's someone sitting over here on the front row who's been given a little thimble full of grace. And this guy with the thimble full doesn't seem like he's got his act together. But he's actually living at about 90% of his thimble full. And there's some of us that have a bath full, full of grace. And we're living at 20% of that capacity. And we're looking good. This is why God says don't judge. Jesus says don't judge. Because Father knows to each man how much grace he has given And, you know, we hear that scripture all the time, to whom much is given, much is expected. The sermon you don't hear preached is to whom little is given, little is expected. Don't judge. Show mercy. Okay. Now, our conclusion could be, well, God is merciful, so God is just going to forgive us because he's merciful. No, we must understand one thing. God is loving, God is merciful, but God cannot forgive us because he loves us and because he has mercy. God must punish sin. And if there's anyone here for the first time today who wants to experience the mercy and the love of God, it's here for you. But you've got to understand behind me there's an instrument of torture called the cross. And he forced his son to climb on that cross, to be nailed to that cross. To remain on that cross when the father poured his wrath and anger about sin onto his son. God's anger and wrath for sin is equal to his love for us. And we know God's love is without bounds, but so is his anger against sin. And that's what he did on this cross. He took Christ who knew no sin and made him to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He laid upon him the iniquity of all of us. And to all who accept and believe in him, though our sins may is be as red as crimson, they've been washed white as snow. As the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those of us who fear him, who've accepted his salvation in Christ. And when you and I understand that it's only by the grace of God that we're standing here today pronounced not guilty, we will tend to have a heart of mercy for others. Others who are running to hell as fast as they can get there and have not yet been tripped. This week will not go by where you and I will not have a chance to show mercy to somebody. And then you get a chance to show grace. Do you know what grace is? There's a whole bunch of definitions, but in this particular case, mercy is not getting what we deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Somebody has said, mercy is a little boy who gets, comes up with a piece of bread and his mother puts a little peanut butter on it. But grace is when she turns around and then puts a little jelly on it after he asks for the peanut butter. He got something he didn't ask for. And this week, you and I will probably have a chance to show mercy to somebody. But then after mercy, we have the opportunity to show grace. Show them a kindness that they weren't expecting. Because that's what Father does to us. He not only does he not always condemn, but then when he doesn't condemn, he blesses. And I believe this week, each of us will have an opportunity to show mercy to someone And then to bless them. I had a cab driver this week. Who. You know took me the long way. That used to bother me. But it doesn't anymore. And then after he took me the long way. And he knew he took me the long way. And he knew I knew he took him the long way. Then I turned around and tipped him. That's mercy. And that's grace. There was a. I moved to Moscow 23 years ago. And I used to see these uh, beggars on the street. And as soon as I'd see a beggar on the street, I would cross the street and go the other way. And then one day, Father reminded me, oh, Rick, uh, you're a beggar too. So then I would, when I'd see a beggar, I would start, I'd kind of check him out. And if it looked like a, uh, a worthy beggar, like an old woman or someone who was sober or lost a limb I'd give to him but if the guy was you know kind of hunched over and his bottle was next to him I would just you know walk right on by and this went on for a long time and then one day I was walking by one of these guys who was kind of sleeping there half awake and half there half sober and I just walked by and father said you know what Not only are you a beggar, you're an unworthy beggar. Because see, I would only give to the ones that were worthy. But this guy wasn't worthy. He was an unworthy beggar. Father said, you're an unworthy beggar. Oh, okay. So I went back and gave to him. And then time goes on, and I would walk down the street. It didn't matter if it was a worthy beggar or an unworthy beggar. I was completely free to give to the beggars because I was understanding my vulnerability, my need. But then... If I saw a beggar, I'd check my pocket. And if I didn't have any small money, I would go another way. Okay, the biggest denomination of money in Russia is just about like it is here. It's 100 quai, 100 rubles. I started walking down the street one day, saw an unworthy beggar. Checked my pocket, only had 100 rubles. Started going the other way, and Father said, "Rick, I am extravagant. I am extravagant. And if you gave a hundred quid to every beggar you meet in your whole life, what would it amount to?" So, as I sit in here today, I'm pretty free about all kind of beggars and all kind of money, but it's the breaking of my understanding of myself it's the breaking of Rick it's understanding my vulnerability my understanding of the gospel that apart from him I can do nothing apart from him I am nothing and that makes me real humble real dependent and in the perfect position for Christ not to have to wait on me I still jump up, but he's done a good job of breaking me down, and he continues to break me down. I was going to deal with Matthew 8 this morning, but we just didn't get there. That's blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But let's give you just a taste of this. Pureness doesn't mean perfect. Perfect. It just means unmixed. Pure salt is nothing but salt. Pure gold, 24 karat gold is nothing but gold. You can't make a ring out of 24 karat gold. It'll squash. You got to add alloys to it to make it strong enough to hold its shape. Those who seek him with no mixed motives, they shall see him. And we'll discuss this more as time comes. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. God is a God of mercy. God this week wants to live his life through you. He wants to live his life through me. Jesus says, I am the true vine that brings Father's life into the world. Each one of you are a branch. And a unique branch. Abide in me. Come to me in your vulnerability. Come to me with your need. And I will abide in you. Apart from me you can do nothing. That doesn't mean nothing happens. It means nothing that lasts will happen. And depart from me, you'll wither. Have you ever seen a branch separated from a vine? Uh, you may even put it in water for a couple of days, but it finally goes away. But if you abide in me, I will abide in you and my life will flow through you. And this, brothers, is the end game for him, for each of us, that his life fro- flows through us. And then he says, you'll be just like me because Father's life Manifests in me. And in the same manner the Father has loved me, that's without reservation, without limitation, I have loved you. Abide in my love. That's it. That's it. We quoted Huston Taylor a couple weeks ago, the great missionary to this country. He said, I have spent all my life striving, working, to enter into the rest. And now I am resting in the one who strove and who worked. Let us pray. Your Father, the truths of the cross are so simple they're almost impossible for us to comprehend. In fact, we cannot comprehend them unless you speak them to us, enlighten us, give us understanding. Father, we are so wired to live out of our resources and ask you for help. Help us to learn to to live in your resources. And not ask you for help, but ask you to actually do it. Do all of it. Do all of it through us. And Father, we can't show mercy unless you remind us every moment of how great you met our need on that cross and how even being saved, that apart from your grace, we can run astray and we can get in front of you. And it's only by your grace that you restrain us, and contain us. So, Father, by your grace, by your mercy, send your Holy Spirit into each of our hearts this week to to stop us, to prevent our feet from running to sin against you, to not let pride raise its ugly head against us, that you'd guard our lips, that they would not speak words untrue or boastful, foolish, ill-advised, hasty, out of season. Guard our eyes, that they not behold things worth less than you, things that are attractive. Deliver us, Father, from vain thoughts, from random thoughts that distract, deceive, dissuade, discourage us, and from fearful thoughts. And thoughts that defile us. Father that our hearts may seek peace and rest and truth and life and security and solace. Nowhere save in you and you alone father. So when everything moves and everything breaks. We are at peace and can bring your life into the situation. And we make that prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.